It's an absolute honor and a true joy um, being with you guys. I've been a fan of what God has been doing uh, in your church. I've been stalking you via social media for a couple of years, and uh, it's been truly a gift. And uh, I'd had no idea that um, I would be just a slob, crying mess before I preached today. Um, Let's thank the worship team that led us so beautifully. Let's give them a hand. Um, I'm going to read a passage of scripture, Matthew's gospel, the sixth chapter, verse nine. It's going to be our main text. I'm going to talk about the subject, the revealing of God. And as we preach, we'll get to know each other a bit better. Matthew 6, verse 9 says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let's pray. Lord, speak to us. Glorify yourself. Help every one of our hearts know that you are here. In Jesus' name, amen. The context of this text is Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. Uh, Whether you're a Christian or not, conceptually we could all agree that if to talk to God is an important idea and that if we can be instructed and taught how to speak to him and address God and connect with him, that that would be the most vital lesson that we could ever encounter. Uh, In another gospel, actually, it says that what prompted Jesus to teach This prayer, what we know as the Lord's Prayer, was that his disciples actually asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. And that's a remarkable thing when you consider that these followers of Jesus were around him as he raised the dead, as he healed the sick, as he taught like no one else taught, as he multiplied a little boy's lunch and fed thousands, and all the things that they could have asked him, teach us to do, they said, teach us to pray. It it was as if they knew that if we could learn How you do this, that is the key, that is the thing that opens up everything else that you do. And what's remarkable is what Jesus says in this teaching, and specifically how he refers to God. He refers to God as Father. There's a profound meaning in that that I hope we unpack together as we go forward. One of the things that's profound about that is that if you look at the prophets and the Psalms and the prayers of God's people, Israel, often God didn't reveal himself predominantly as father. There are moments where he communicated, I'm a father to you, but predominantly the images and the language is something far different. In fact, Psalm 7 verse 11 says, God is a righteous judge, a God who always displays his wrath every day. Isaiah 40, 28 says, do you not know, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. God is a judge, he is a creator. Psalm 78, verse 35, they remember that that God was their rock, that God most high was their redeemer. A God who redeems, who buys us back. Exodus 15, 3, the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. 
Psalm 18.2, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. All these robust images, powerful truths conveying who God is, but the predominant theme was not that God was Father, but yet what's remarkable is that when Jesus talks about God, he overwhelmingly, some say exclusively, refers to God as Father. You could see in the Gospels, every time Jesus talked about God, what he, how he referred to him was as Father. There's something quite profound in that as we'll see in a moment. Matthew 5, 16, let me give you some moments where Jesus talks of God and look at how he refers to him. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Matthew 7, 11, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him, Matthew 10, 29, are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. The primary revelation that Jesus came to bring to the world was that God is father. Yes, he taught. Yes, he did miracles. Yes, he raised the dead. Yes, he did astounding things that continue to impact and shape the world today. But the main message that he was trying to communicate is that God is not how you think he is. He's not how you thought he was. He is father. And if you're like me, and if you're like the people that Jesus was talking to at that time, that can mess with you. Because even though it's quite simple, even though it's quite clear, God is Father, it can mess with you because we all bring a lot of baggage to that term Father. In fact, probably one of the more dominant ideas that many people have of God is that God is like Santa Claus. It's a skeevy image, I know. You know, growing up in Brooklyn, Santa Claus, the idea of it was really, really freaky um, because just like, how's this dude getting in my house? We don't have a chimney. Uh, and he, he sees you when you're sleeping and he knows when you're awake, it sounds a little stalkish. It, it was just, it was a scary idea. But what the, 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 the real menacing thing that sadly we bring to our idea of God that's similar to our concept of Santa Claus is that he will be good to you if you're good, and if you're not, he won't bless you. You'll get gifts if you deserve it. You'll get nothing if you're bad. One of the most heartbreaking things to encounter in people, Christian and non-Christian alike, is this awful idea that God treats us based on what we deserve. That he loves us conditionally. And so if we're good and obedient, he loves us greatly. But if we stray, he withholds his love. That's a sad, haunting image that many of us bring to God when we're trying to understand him as father. Another reason why God as father is 
a really difficult thing for many of us is that if we're honest, many of us have experienced incredible trauma at the hands of a father. You know, I, I, we used to pick up, uh, the first church I was a part of, we used to pick up several hundred kids from our neighborhood. I grew up in Sunset Park, Brooklyn, uh, single mom, welfare recipient for most of my life. Uh, our neighborhood was struck with poverty. The uh, crack epidemic of the 80s and 90s totally ravaged our area. And we used to pick up all these kids and we used to bring them to church and sing songs with them and feed them and bless them and do all these things with them. And I'll never forget that we would tell them, God is your father and he loves you as a father. And that was not good news for a lot of these kids. Many of them recoiled at the idea of God being their father. Because for them, father meant the one who abandoned me. The one who hit mom. The one who abused me. And often one of the greater difficulties that we have in relating to God as father is that we have all this trauma, all this pain that filters God revealing him as father and us responding to him as his sons and daughters. But you know, when Jesus kept talking about God as father, it, we have to unpack that word and we actually sang it this morning. He used a particular word that was really messing with religious people at that time because when they talked about God, first off, they, ra they rarely talked about God as father, but when they talked about him as father, they talked about him as an authoritarian figure, as someone who was a, a, a resolved and, and almost detached. But Jesus uses this word, Abba, and it meant daddy. It meant a father that will caress you and hold you and kiss you, and comfort you, and love you unconditionally. A God that is Father, that is Abba, that will embrace you. When you want to run from his love, he'll run after you. A God who welcomes you to laugh and cry and approach him with boldness and, and knowing that his love awaits you to come, that was difficult for a lot of people. They were more accustomed and they preferred a God who was distant and cold and a God who would reward you based on your good. They liked that transactional thing. This idea of a God who has unbounded love as Abba messed with people. And if we're honest, it messes with us today. Perhaps many of us are sitting here today and if we search our hearts, we recognize my view of God is not of him as dad, as a dad that loves and rescues and embraces a God that I could approach. You know, I have three kids, seven four and 19 months. As soon as I'm done here, I am running home. I hope I don't break too many laws on my way back to New York because I want to see them before they go to bed on Father's Day. One of the things I've, I have continuously be, been amazed by is that because they're assured of my love and my wife's love, they're brazen in the things that they ask for. Like they wake up, it's like, I'm hungry. 
Like, where's, where's, the, where's the please, you know? They'll wake me up at 3 in the morning and act like that's okay. Like, 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 like you, you can't die for stuff like that, you know? Like, it, it's, it, they, they don't tippy-toe. When they talk with me, they don't say, how art, how art thou, Father? May we approacheth thee. Would you be so kind to bestow a hugeth? No, they, they, don't, they don't come that way. They'll just run and jump. And, and my son loves to just, and, and while I'm in sleep, run and jump on the bed and jump on me, startle me out of sleep like that. It's like, good morning, daddy. Most of us, including myself, have yet to grow into that kind of an understanding of who God is, that we can run to him, embrace him, and allow him to love us. But you know what's amazing? That yes, Jesus exclusively referred to God as Father. Every time he talked about God, he referred to him and called him Father. He taught about God and he said Father. But you know there's one instance in all of the Gospels, one powerful instance that Jesus didn't refer to God as Father. He called him God. Lord. And this instance was at the cross. Matthew 27, verse 46, it says, about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? At the cross, he did not cry out, my father, my father, my Abba, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because at this moment, scripture tells us that he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In this moment, it was not just a physical death that was happening. It was not just flesh and blood that was being crucified. It was the sin offering, the sin bearer, the promised Messiah, the one that Isaiah told of, that one would come and bear the sin and the shame and the guilt of the world and take upon all that pain upon himself, the brokenness of humanity, that one would come to be broken on behalf of the broken world, that there might come healing. And at this moment, he is bearing up under the weight of that all. And though God was not distant, he felt distance. He said, you've forsaken me. You know, often the greatest pain in life is not physical pain. It's the pain that's connected to feeling the loss of love from someone we expect to love us, that we're counting on loving us. And for me, I actually don't know why I agreed to come here on Father's Day and to preach a message on Father's Day because I'm one of those that this day is, has a lot of pain. Um, you could put the picture of my dad up there. That's him, the one with the really big smile, curly hair. I wish I had those locks. My hair is making a steady exit. 
soon I'll be bald. You know, my dad, um, him and my mom, uh, he was married, not to my mom. And they hooked up, and my sister was born. My sister's older than me, about 18 months. And it caused incredible shame. Uh, His spouse was understandably hurt. I have an older half-sister. Her world was ripped apart. My mom was filled with so much regret and shame. She was ostracized. It was a weird, unfortunate thing in that she bore the exorbitant blame uh, as if my dad didn't have a part to play in this. She carried a lot of shame. And so she told my dad after my sister was born, said, that's it. We're done. You don't have to raise this kid. I don't need you. We're done. And my dad's response was, you're not going to get away that easy. You've ruined my life. You're not going to get away that easy. And so he would break into her apartment. He would wait for her at work. My dad was a really broken man uh, in the 80s. Uh, in the 70s, actually, what he would do is when the train doors would close, him and his brother would stick up the whole train like it was the wild, wild west. Uh, he was uh, heavily involved in the heroin trade and counterfeit laundering money for the mob. Uh, not a healthy man. And sure enough, in one of those moments, they ended up having sex again, and I was conceived. And the moment he found out she was pregnant, he went irate, actually beat her so that she would miscarriage. She would shield her belly with her leg, and it was just massively bruised. He almost threw her off a fire escape on the second floor. And he took my mom to the abortion clinic and said, kill this baby. My mom goes the first time, and she couldn't do it. She went in, she just wept. She came out, she lied to him, said, I did it. As he saw days go by, he saw no notable difference. You lied to me. And so he went and beat her again and took her to the abortion clinic the next time. And again, she tried. She went in, she tried, and she just couldn't. Finally, the third time, the beating was the worst. Almost beat her to death. He said, you will kill this baby. You're not going to ruin my life again. The third time she goes in, And he leaves, and as she's going in, this woman comes over to her and says, don't kill this baby. God has a plan for this child. And my mother wept, and that night got on an airplane, flew to Puerto Rico, gave birth to me. Six months later, my dad was dead, died of liver disease. My father's family, I'm convinced, had a curse on them. 22 brothers and sisters, two of them are alive today. Tragic deaths, overdose, horrible things. I wish I could tell you this day is just pure bliss. And in a few hours it will be. I'll be with my kids. And they'll give me really cute cards and things that they made in school. And they'll sing songs and they'll call me daddy. I'm going to love that. But there's, a, there's an aspect of this day that is so filled with pain. And God has had to redeem that pain and heal me of it. There is nothing like finding out that your dad didn't want you and actually tried to kill you. Let alone growing up in a neighborhood that was savage 
without a dad. The fear, the torment, searching as a young boy for meaning and trying to figure out what it means to be a man and not having that. I can relate to that pain of feeling forsaken by someone who should love you and doesn't. And here is the beauty of the gospel and what Jesus is teaching. And for you and I is this invitation to know God as Father, as Abba, as the one who will love you regardless, the one who will run to you, not run from you, the one who will be what your soul longs for and has ached for and has searched for and can only be found in him, Jesus says you can know God as Father. And in this prayer, he not only says that we can pray to God as Father, but he also says in heaven, hallowed be your name. And why that's so utterly profound, what he's saying is that this God, this Father, this Abba, he is not like any father you've ever known. He is completely other. See, I've known people that have amazing fathers, and I don't, I'm not jealous of them, I'm not envy, I'm glad, I rejoice when I meet people that didn't have the brokenness that I have, and, and when I hear stories of fathers that were present and that were beautiful and attentive, it rejoices in my heart to know that there are men like that, but the best father in this world pales in comparison, is, is a distant second in the highest possible order than God the Father. He says you can talk to God, pray to God, know him as Father, but a Father that's unlike any other. He's better than the best Father that you could ever imagine. And he will heal you from the worst Father that you could ever encounter. On this Father's Day, God wants you and I, he's inviting us to know him, not just as God, not just as judge, as creator, but as father, as the one who heals, as the one who comforts, as the one who restores. You know, for years I served God and didn't realize I was carrying this pain until my niece began to go through a similar situation. Her dad and my, mom and my sister, uh, it didn't work out. And I remember I was at a church service just like this, wooden floors just like this, and I was praying in the front, and I knew what she was about to face, and my words to God were, God, she'll be okay growing up without a dad. I grew up without a dad and I'm fine. And I heard the spirit of God speak to my heart and said, no, you're not. And at that moment, my heart broke open and I cried tears like I've never cried. I could hear them hit the wooden floor. And I began a journey of turning to God as father as Abba. Do you know what the watching world around us needs? They've heard God as judge, as creator, as lawgiver, and he is that. But most people have not heard that God is a loving father, and they've not seen that in a people. My prayer, my question is, 
what would it look like if you and I were to embody this revealing of God to the watching world and invite them to be healed by this God? You have a unique opportunity in this church, in this community, where the world around you is watching and their biggest question is, what is God like? Who is, who is he? And you and I get to invite them into this experience and let them know he's unlike any father you've ever met. He's better than the best. And today he can heal your brokenness. If I could invite you to stand with me as the worship team comes forward. Would you close your eyes just for a moment? I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you're a follower of Jesus or if you've just kind of stumbled into this place and want to know what this is about. But regardless of where you're at, I do know that whether you're aware of it or not, like me, the greatest ache in your heart is to know God. And God's greatest ache in his heart is that you would know him as he truly is, as Father, as Abba. If today you find yourself in a space you say, I wanna know God as Dad. I've known him I've revered him, I've respected him, but I want to know him the way Jesus knew him. If that's you, if you feel comfortable, could I invite you to raise your hands before God? The raising of hands in scriptures, it's a sign of surrender, it's an outward sign of a posture in our hearts. It's a, it's a, it's a, a way to express I'm not holding anything back, I'm not hiding, I'm here to receive from you and with your hands raised, would you pray with me and ask God together, God, would you heal our hearts from the wounds and from the pain that many of us have experienced when it comes to you as God, not knowing that you're our Father. Lord, in this room, there are people who have experienced so much trauma and rejection. And quite frankly, we're afraid to come to you and call you dad because of that history. But Jesus, would you be the mediator that your word tells us you are between us and God the Father? And would you bring us close to the Father? And may our eyes see the beauty that only you have. Lord, heal every broken heart. Bring back every straying child. Lord, may they come to you, but come to you as who you are, as a child running to their father, saying, Dad, thank you for your love. Thank you for receiving me. Jesus, would you heal us? And most of all, would you restore in our hearts a clear vision of who the Father really is? May Sanctuary Church 
proclaim to this watching city, to every neighbor, classmate, coworker, and to each other that you are dad, that you are father, and you come with healing in your wings. Let's continue to worship as Pastor Andrew leads us.